trading with once and then they yeah. initiate the trade or something. It's, it's weird, yeah. yeah. I, I agree with you there. Yeah, I, that's yeah. why I just, I don't even try and keep up with it at this point. I'm just like, okay, let's watch some basketball. <laughs> yeah, no, like the NFL draft makes so much more sense. It's like, okay, and they traded this draft pick to the, the Ravens. So this dude's going to the Ravens. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it's very obvious what happens next. Like... You know, like, yeah, instead of this three-way trade chaos that you watch sometimes, and you're like, so is he going to the Rockets or is he going to the Spurs? Like, I'm very confused. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Ugh. You know what I do know? What do you know, David? Do, do I really have to say it at this point? I don't... The way your mind works, I can never expect what you're what you're about to say, so... What do you do? You, do you know what I know? That it's time for finally time for SEC basketball. It is finally time for SEC basketball, and I know that we're recording a podcast today. Everybody, welcome to the Hoop Southbound podcast. My name is David. Hey, you guys, it's Maddie. And uh, yeah, so we're on our random tangents again with our bleed through. Um, we do have a two part episode today. Um, well, I guess this is episode nine of this season and then like the next one is conference preview which i don't know if it's episode 10 or not um they're gonna be I, a bonus bonus episode is that what yeah, we're we'll call it a bonus episode let's let's do that so like yeah you got two episodes to listen to this week a lot of good stuff um we're going to you know this week this is this episode is a normal episode news weekly recap games coming up interview our normal format um the next episode or the bonus episode is a look at what we got going into conference play. We're going to be looking at um, our predictions, where our, where our heads are at right now with the conference. And um, we're going to be looking at three specific teams uh, who are our contest winners um, because people don't know how to follow instructions. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out. Things happen. I understand. Um, but like, yeah, we're going to do that episode focusing specifically on Kentucky Arkansas and Mizzou. Um, and we're going to do a deep dive on them throughout the course of that episode and what they're going to be looking at. So you can check out that episode after this episode, or you can listen to that one first and then come back to this one. I don't care. Um, you know, just you know, but enjoy, enjoy the content. We don't care what you do. Just listen. Yeah, exactly. This is the, it's the bonus content after Christmas. It's the Christmas gift. No one knew they were getting, except I said it last week on the podcast that we were getting this. So, you know, is what it is, is what it is. All right, let's start with the news this week, Maddie. Um, news this week. Pretty the light. news every week. Yeah, the news every week at this point. <laughs> um, pretty light week overall with it being Christmas and whatnot. Um, you know, not a lot of movement and a lot of things. The only thing I really saw that's of interest to everyone, and as we said, it's the same old thing every week. It seems like we're talking about an injury on, at Arkansas, and we're talking about Nick Smith Jr., um, out indefinitely for the Hogs, Maddie. Um, what do you think about what? What do you got going on on this one? I mean, at this point, um, you know, based on what the team has released, we don't really know what to expect. Um, with Nick for his injury protocol, it's very obvious. Um, in the games that he has played, that he's been a huge asset for the team. Um, so at this point, I think the main things to look for, you know, since we've seen it on and off this season. Um, are that, you know, we need to look at how it's going to affect the Hogs if he isn't a consistent piece in the lineup. And then for Nick personally, how is this going to affect his stock in the draft, which we've already seen him slide down a little bit. I mean, he's still top five draft pick projected. 
Um, but, you know, depending on how long he's out, how much further is he going to slip? Yeah, that's always the question, isn't it? Um, like, there's no real fear of him dropping out of a lottery pick position because, like, we've seen it before. Players not even play the season and because of injury and then still get picked in the top in the lottery picks of the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not concerned about that for Nick Smith. Um, you know, but it's reasonable to see, like, you know, oh, he's gone down a little bit. I mean, it's yeah. a combination of is he injury prone and, you know, is there enough data on him to make a really good decision or not? I think he's going to be back. I don't think it's going to be as long as everybody is out making it out to be. But I know nothing. I know absolutely nothing. And Muss isn't telling us anything. So at the end of the day, we don't know anything. Um, the word indefinitely does not mean he's out indefinitely forever. Like, you know, it's just out indefinitely. There's no way to define it. Um, Undetermined time. Undetermined is undetermined is a better word than indefinitely, because I think when people hear indefinitely, they think season ending for some reason. Like the connotation connotation of that word is different than the denotation as my, um, as my, um, 10th grade English teacher used to say, actually my junior year. So uh, 11th grade English teacher used to say, so yeah, you know, that a word sounds one way, but it, it, it means something totally different. So like, yeah, I think that's what incites the panic. Arkansas is not really an immediate need. They have a light week this week. Just LSU, I think is on the schedule. And mm-hmm. then they turn around and they have another game another week from now. So like there's time for him to heal up in the course of this. So like, I, I don't think Nick is going to be gone forever you know like I I don't think he's put an Arkansas jersey on for the last time yeah I think you know looking at Arkansas's schedule like you said we have LSU this week they're a little bit undetermined um in terms of how they're gonna look um in the SEC going forward um you know they'll hear it later in the bracketology interview um LSU hasn't really beaten any crazy teams and their loss wasn't terrible either so you know, if he's out for LSU, I think we can pick up the pieces and kind of make up that room. Mizzou kind of the same way with their win against Illinois. It makes them a little bit more undetermined. But again, I think the Hogs can make up that game if he's out. But I think after those two is when we start looking at, okay, when's Nick Smith coming back? When are we going to have a shooter and when are we going to have that defensive body? Yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, that's that's the big question. LSU, I think the determining factor in that game for the Hogs is going to be bigger on the rebounding and shutting KJ Williams down. Um, yeah. And then the other part of that is Mizzou's and Bud Walton. I don't care how bad of a team Arkansas has. You don't lose in Bud Walton very often. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm not panicked about like if he needs to miss two more weeks. Not at all. Like when come Alabama, that's when I would like to see Nick Smith, you know, getting back on the court, you know, before, you know, sometime before that game, like that's, that's when I'll start, you know, eh, I'd like to see Nick, Nick would be good here, you know, like, you know, getting him on the court here pretty around that time frame. I think would be a good, yeah. I mean, and it does give me hope that the way that they put it out is injury management. So it, it's not as, it's not like he blew out his ACL. No. Yeah. yeah it, it's, we're trying to prevent something is what injury management. It kind of tells me, you know, like maybe there is an injury, but like we're trying to prevent a bigger one. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if you, if you follow basketball and you're close with the game, anybody that's going to be over six, two, they're going to have some kind of like knee injury or knee pain somewhere in their career because of how tall they are. Like your body's not meant to handle that much stress and that much pressure 
that they put on it as lifelong basketball players for sure. So, you know, if it's one of those things where, you know, it's feeling funny because it's, it's overworked, then yeah, give them the time to rest and bring them back when we need them. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's let's move on for the weekly recap because, like I said, there wasn't really a ton of news with it being the holidays, um, and I hope everybody did have a Merry Christmas. Um, so let's talk about the weekly recap, what happened before before the holidays. Let's talk about Terrible Tuesday. As Terrible it's, Tuesday. As I've come to know it and as being, you know, the term that's being thrown around a little bit to describe it. Um, it's washed off a little bit, like, you know, with it being so close to Christmas and everything. But last Tuesday... A week ago was probably the worst day we'd seen so far this year for the SEC. But mm-hmm. I, I think it was the first time that we clearly understood the differences between uh, some teams and some others. We saw AM lose to Wolford um, 67 to 62 in College Station. Uh, Ole Miss lost to North Alabama 66 65 there in the pavilion. Uh, Drake beat Mississippi State on a neutral site at 58 to 52. And Florida lost to Oklahoma. 62 to 53 in the Jumpman Invitational. Four out of five of the games that the SEC played that day, they lost. A horrible day for the conference as a whole. Alabama just carrying the conference on its back on that terrible Tuesday. And by standards of who they were playing and everything else, still an ugly game. You know, like, you know, yeah, very true. (laughs) It's not very often you talk about a 20 point victory being ugly, Um, but that's definitely the way that Tide fans kind of took that. And I understood like I was like, yeah, it wasn't pretty, but, you know, eh, you you want it. So like we move on from there. Yeah, I think, you know, like looking at those games, starting off with that Texas A&M loss to to Wofford, you know, not for lack of trying from Wade Taylor. He had 20, 20 points. I think just as a whole, they purely got outplayed. You know, they had 5% advantage um, on the on field goal percentage um, as compared to Wofford. Uh, you know, looking into my favorite stat, Wofford shot 100% from the line and AM only shot 60. So they missed six free throws, which could have made up the loss difference. Yeah. You hit one so. more of those, you send the game to overtime. And exactly. Walford, let's give Walford some credit. Like, there's probably mm-hmm. three teams in the SOCON who are capable of making the NCAA tournament. Walford did this. Like they didn't upset anybody until the AM game, but they played tough against some SEC teams this entire way through. Um, but yeah, you talk about Wolford, Furman, and Chattanooga out of that out of the SoCon conference, and like all those teams are capable of making the NCAA tournament. So I AM lost this game, but like, you know, Wolford's a good team, like, you know, for what they are as a mid-major. But I, I think we, as I mentioned, I think we clearly understand. Uh, now some differences like despite Ole Miss and AM's records they're going to be hit and miss a lot this season in conference play I think uh, nothing is going to come easy for them all season long uh, they might they might beat some teams and they might, might turn around and lose to like Vandy or South Carolina for Mississippi State that Drake loss was coming like yeah. we 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 weren't we didn't predict it last week but I did say like you know like look at what what's going be on, on their with, toes yeah be on your toes it's like they've Mississippi State has been flirting with being upset for their last couple of games. They they survived Nichols. disaster. Yeah, they they survived Nichols. Like survived that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackson State gave them headaches almost the entire game, and then finally Drake pulled the upset. Like you know, that, that it's just it was coming. But I think Mississippi State is good enough or well enough coached team that they're going to be fine when it comes to conference play. But they're going to have bad games. And they're going to lose games that they probably shouldn't lose. Uh, this is what I was talking about last week. You know, Mississippi State 
is likely going to end up a seven through 10 seed when, uh, when it comes seeding time for the tournament. And I think they'll do enough to keep themselves off the bubble, but they're going to have to win a few games in the process of getting there. And I think they're capable of that as well. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, like you said, going to keep them out of the bubble, but they are going to have some hard few couple like first rounds, um, you know, if they do make the tournament. Yeah, it's it's going to be rough. I think Mississippi State fans in Starkville are just going to be happy to make the tournament this year. Tier one, mm-hmm. they're 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 one of those teams that are well enough coached and got a good enough coach that like they could get through some things. All right, let's talk about a game that I didn't get to watch the for the most part. Uh, Maddie, as you know, my power was out um, thanks to the winter storm uh, for most of this game. So uh, thank you, thank you, winter storm Elliot, for that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mizzou and Illinois? Man, Mizzou and Illinois, that game, I I did not expect (laughs) the outcome of that game. I talked so much crap, uh, especially to Skeeter. We've had him on the podcast previously. And Mizzou just, they they shocked me. I'm sure they shocked several other people too. Um, But, you know, looking at it, Illinois has kind of been on the road to ruin for, for a little bit. Um, so it's kind of one of those games that now I'm looking at their schedule a little bit differently than I had before. Mizzou is like they couldn't miss a shot. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's just one of those. They had a great game. The other team did not. That's what yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, it's funny. Um, I was listening on my drive home um, for Christmas. I was listening to uh, Ion College Basketball. And mm-hmm. Gary Parrish, you know, he put himself as the conductor of the Illinois train uh, this season. It's like, it's time to get hyped up, Illinois fans. You have a good team this year, you know, things like that. Uh, they started the podcast off this week with a train crash uh, sound effect, <laughs> which I found hilarious. And uh, Gary complaining to himself. It's like, why did I do this to myself? Um, you know, like I'd be yeah. sitting pretty if I didn't if I didn't choose Illinois. Love that show. But yeah, no, you're exactly right. Mizzou shot extremely well in this game. Um, but from a reaction standpoint of this game, to me, Mizzou looks like a tournament team. They don't have any bad losses. Mm-hmm. They picked up a huge Q1 win, um, but I, I think they're going to be competitive in the SEC. Everyone better, everybody get better get their three-point defense ready because like that's what they do well. Mizzou's ball movement is very good, and they love to take high percentage three-point shots. Um, like that's that's what they work for the entire time is high percentage chances to shoot. And I will say that. I did, I did say Mizzou was going to upset somebody eventually. Um, yeah. Like on, you know, during my Christmas gift special, it's like, that's why it's like, you guys get an upset, like use them whenever you want. Uh, clearly they cashed in the Illinois ticket that um, for that. Um, yeah, but they got their be, money's worth on that one. <laughs> definitely did because this might be a season defining win for them. I, I think this is the game that Dennis Gates is going to talk to transfers and recruit, recruits about the future is like, look what we did. Question is now, can they do it again? Um, do it again this year. Can they get another upset? And so like, that's going to be the big exploratory point um, for Mizzou. Um, the one thing that I did see in common with this game and the UCF game is the outstanding three point shooting. Uh, they yeah. shot extremely, extremely well in all those games. So like how well is their offense going to travel? That's really not my other big question with Mizzou. Yeah. I think like looking at them um, from a future standpoint, it's more so not how well for me, it's more so not how well well their offense is going to do, but how well is the opposing team's defense going to hold them? Yeah, for sure. 
So I mentioned that Mizzou might be a tournament team. Well, we've got Benjamin um, from from. Well, Benji is a bracketologist and he has a whole stack of data. He doesn't have like a traditional website, but you can find him at Benji on Twitter. We follow him and uh, you can find him on our Twitter page. And we've got him for an interview to give us a little bit of insight on where bracketology stands in the SEC. All right. And we welcome into the show Benjamin today. He's going to talk a little bit of bracketology with us. How are you doing today, man? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good. All right. So we, obviously we're going to talk a little bit about SEC bracketology, but like, first off for the people who may not be familiar with this um, process um, and the mysticism that's behind it, so to speak, how does bracketology actually work? Bracketology is ranking the 36 of the best at large teams, as well as the 32 auto bid teams. It's seeding them in a subsequent manner of how they've performed throughout the season. Okay. So, and that's based on what kind of factors like net and things like that. Yeah. Essentially what, what people look towards, what the selection committee looks towards before selection Sunday and on selection Sunday is how people, how teams perform against the top teams, how teams perform against the worst teams, how much they beat them by and the computer rankings. There's um, there's sheets that the member selection committees are, are given, which have all this information on it, but the majority of that information on these team sheets, it's mainly related to record and record based on record against specific teams and specific um, quadrants, Q1A, Q1B, Q2, Q3, and Q4. Okay. And I know this isn't you, um, but like, you know, I see it all the times in the comments um, for like Joe Lenardi and, you know, fans will talk about, well, this team beat this team. Why are they seated this way? When you, when you see things like that, what are typically, what are fans not looking at um, to completely get a full picture of like two teams that seem comparable, but they're really not? Sure. Well, there's no such thing as a transit property in college basketball. It's like, just because team A beat team B, it doesn't mean that team A is better than all the teams that team B beat. It's like, Gonzaga beat Alabama. That doesn't mean that Gonzaga is better than all the teams that Alabama beat. The season is way too long. There's way too many factors to take that into consideration that a team doesn't jump another team just because it beat that team. It's not like a king of the hill in that sense. It's it's more drawn out and it's a longer process than that. And there's way too many moving parts to view it in that simplistic of a manner. Okay, that makes total sense to me. Um, so yeah, we're right now like we're not we're close to March yet. We've got two months to go, but like right now in this late December, early January time frame, depending on when people are listening to this episode, what are the most important factors that fans need to be looking at right now compared to like February and March? Sure. So right now, specifically for SCTC teams, the thing that they could best do to further their chances for making the tournament in March is to not lose any bad games. I believe it was December last year, Florida lost in Gainesville to Texas Southern, and Florida wasn't as close to the bubble for that to matter um, on Selection Sunday last year for that to really matter. But a loss such as that, a Q4, a Quadrant 4 loss such as that, that can really matter in the long term. And that's that's something to, to look towards preventing. Uh, Mississippi lost to... Uh, Mississippi lost to... I, I can't remember the team. It escapes me at the moment. But they lost to a, a, a Q4 team the previous um, the, the previous week. And, and losses such as that... I'll have it up in a minute. I've got so many yeah, screens. It's, it's it North, so Alabama. Uh, North, North Alabama. North Alabama, thank you. Yeah, it's North yes. Alabama. 
Yeah. Yeah. A, a loss such as that, a home loss to a team that's currently 278th in the net, a loss such as that is one that can really hurt Mississippi um, and teams such as that in the long term. So preventing losses such as that is is really what SEC teams can 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 best do because SEC teams that they have opportunities, they have so many opportunities to have the high level wins that preventing ugly and embarrassing losses is what specifically those teams can best do. When you talk about high level wins, this is I know this wasn't on the uh, list of questions that I asked you, but like, can you explain like the difference between a quad one a win and just a quad one win? Sure. So in terms of the net, um, how, how the net views it is it's all based on where the game is played and the ranking in the net. So I think for home wins, you have to be if if Alabama is playing at home and they they beat um, Missouri. If Missouri is within the top 25 of the net, then that would be a quad one win. If Missouri is outside of the top 20, 25 in the net, then that would not be a quad one win because they're at home. But if it's on the road, if Alabama goes into, goes and beats Missouri on the road, if Missouri is in the top 75 of the net, then that would be a quad one win. Um, so that's specifically based on the fact that it's a lot tougher to win on the road than it is at home. And specifically getting into that, there's there's Q1 and there's there's Q1A and there's Q1B. So obviously the Q1A, that's that's the, the higher part of the net and the Q1B would be the lower part of the net. So it's it's important to specify between that. Um, but the, the nitty gritty, you could you could lose your mind in it. And it, it just <laughs> it's 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 so it's so granular that um, some of it matters somewhat. But in terms of losses, it's like. A quadrant one loss is a quadrant one loss. Um, Q1, QB, whatever. It, uh, losing to a good team always really shouldn't matter. It's it's the ugly losses which you're looking up is what you're trying to prevent. That makes total sense. All right, um, let's let's start out with some easy stuff um, and getting into a little bit more of a focus here. Where do you have who's in right now for the SEC and where are those teams seated at? Sure. So I've got seven teams in the SEC right now. Wow. Okay. And one of them, I think you might be upset when when you when you hear the the specific team that I'm losing out that is the closest and um is would be the next one in for the SEC. Um, but but of those seven teams, I have Alabama. They're my highest rated team. They're the number two seed, and they're the highest number number two seed. They're number five overall, and that's really important. Um, not only to look at their specific seed, but how they're rated among seeds. Because if you're the number five seed overall, and you, you, if you're the highest number two seed, you wouldn't be placed in the bracket with the highest number one overall. Um, in previous seasons, that has really mattered because um, in 2021, you wouldn't be in, want to be in the same side of the bracket as Gonzaga, for example. Um, and now you probably want, want to be in the same side as a bracket as UConn or Purdue. Um, and I have Tennessee there as well in number two, and they're the lowest number two at number eight overall. And I have an Arkansas. This might be surprising, but I've got Arkansas at number five, um, which I personally, I think outside of this, I think they are a top five, 10 team in the country. But if you actually look at it, they really haven't beat all too many teams outside of uh, outside of uh, of their um, their multi-team event. Um, so they, they just got two quadrant one wins 
And one of those was that, that San Diego State game that they won in, in overtime. And the other one was the Oklahoma game that was in Tulsa. And that Oklahoma game that's that's teetering between a quadrant one win and a quadrant two win. Um, and that Creighton loss, um, at the time we were like, wow, that, that Creighton team, that team is great. That loss was understandable. But looking into it now, it's it, it doesn't look great for for a team such as Arkansas to be losing to Creighton, who is who is struggling mightily. Um, because Arkansas, they haven't played really anybody um, of of too much note outside of that. Musselman has has he's, he's filled their schedule with with a bunch of teams who aren't very good, and that that's really struggled with with them. They have they have a bunch of Q three and Q four wins, but that's really struggled with them filling out the rest of their schedule outside of their um, their MTE. I mean that's that's totally <laughs> fair on the Arkansas yeah. point there. I think they got the worst draw in Maui. Um, for that yeah. route you talk about you got louisville who's a quad four win i think at the time and yeah and everything else you know san diego state was it's it's a weird you it's weird to think that the number three team coming out of maui only picked up one quad one win along the way yeah um it's very strange to think about all right so who are the other teams that you had in because you said you had seven in right now yeah. so obviously we got arkansas alabama tennessee yeah, so I've got Missouri in right now. I've got them in as a number seven seed. The one thing that they've done really well for themselves is that the only loss they've taken, it was an ugly one, but the only loss that they've taken is a, is a Q18 loss to one of the best teams in the country in Kansas. And that's something that's not going to hurt them. And they didn't have any impressive wins um, prior to to this past week or so, but obviously they they just completely smoked Illinois. Um the other I'm day sorry, so i know you're from illinois yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um so that's that was a surprise but that was a positive thing for missouri because they their, their most impressive win outside of that um it might have been that wichita state win um that that would against a not so good wichita state team um but missouri did really well for themselves in in picking up um that that q1 win in 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 a really impressive fashion i i stated before a, a little bit off topic here a, a little bit of a tangent i should say um i stated before that your record against um quadrants really matters but also what really matters is how much you win by or how much you lose by if you lose to um to if if you lose to a really bad team, if you lose to uh, Tennessee Martin by 30 points, that's going to look a lot different than if you lose to them in overtime by five points. Gotcha. And if you beat if you beat Kansas by five points, that's going to look a, a lot different than if you beat them by double digits. Um, and Missouri really did well for themselves, not only beating a good team, but beating a good team by, what was it, 23 um so that was, yes. yeah 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 so, so they did really well for themselves there i've got them at a seven seed right now um and i'll talk about this now i think they've got i think their their game against kentucky i think that's tomorrow yes um that that's going to be um that's going to be really it's going to really change how every team is ranked and it's going to it's going to really um it's going to really move the rankings around a fair amount because it's going to be another test for Missouri and it's going to be a Q1 opportunity for Kentucky. And I've got Mississippi State in right now. I've got them on the 8 line as well as Auburn on the 8 line and so what's really interesting is the the Drake loss. Um 
that at the time is like, oh man, is is Mississippi State, are they just fakers? Um, but that Drake loss, it was it was on a neutral, which was really important, and it was to a good team. Um, it was it was a it was a Q2 loss, which is, it's, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Um, it, and M- Mississippi state also has two really good, te- two, two really good wins, one against Marquette and one against Utah. And those are both quadrant one wins. And next, um, as I stated before, I have Auburn in on the eight line um, that win on a neutral against Northwestern, believe it or not, that's a quadrant one win. And so that, that, that has aged a lot better than it seemed at the time. And the other day, Auburn went into Seattle and did something. I think I think I feel like this really flew below the radar. But but they beat Washington in Seattle the other day, and that that was something that I, I think we're probably the majority of us were probably with our families at that point in time celebrating the holidays. But that was a Q two win, and something that Auburn and the last team that I have in have done really well is they haven't taken any bad losses. Um, that Memphis loss and that USC loss they have they were quadrant one and quadrant two losses um, respectively for Auburn. And that's not going to that's not going to be anything bad for them. I, I remember that, that. Yeah, I remember that USC game, but like at the time, wasn't it a quadrant three? I mean, have they moved up at this point, and it's no yeah. longer Q three? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, and I, I think that I could be mistaken. They were they were in Southern California for that as well. That, that yeah, they were that in was, Yeah, yeah. So, so that that really helps them as well. That that it wasn't a that it wasn't a home loss. And finally, my last team, and um, you might expect it to be um, Kentucky, but it's not. I think Kentucky's out right now. I okay. think LSU is the last team in, um, and I've got LSU um, as an 11 seed. LSU, they're they're really difficult to rank because they haven't played anybody. Both Auburn and LSU, they really haven't they really haven't had the high level games that Kentucky has had. Um, but Kentucky's one loss is is. Um, against Kansas State and that's a quadrant one loss at this point in time and they've got a win against Wake Forest on a neutral which is aged pretty well as um to this point in time well that's completely fair on the LSU point um I think there's a lot who have them on the first first four out and I think right now like a lot of people are projecting you know what it's going to be in the season and not necessarily right now so let me let me ask on that Kentucky because that definitely spurs an additional question why is Kentucky out right now they don't have any good wins. Truly, their best win is in it was London, right? Atlanta, London against Michigan. Um, and Michigan, we came into the season and I think we expected them to, to be a, a pretty good team, but they aren't doing so well in the net. Um, the, their win against Michigan, that, that's a Q2 win at this point in time. Um, and that's their best win. And they've got They've got three losses, and none of those losses are bad, which is which is a good thing. Um, but the fact that they have three losses, you have to count that against them. Um, and they don't have any wins against any good teams. And I said before, they've got an opportunity to do that against Missouri. That that will be a Q1 opportunity because they're at Missouri. But they need to prove that they can beat high-level teams. Right now, I've got them as the fifth team out and the first team out in terms of the SEC. So they're 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 relatively on the bubble. But they need to win high-level wins to to really help themselves out. Okay, so. You, so my next question was, uh, who's the closest in the conference to getting in who's out right now? Would that be Kentucky? That would be Kentucky. Okay. I, they, they're, they're really close. They just need to prove that they can do it against high-level teams. I think the opportunities that they've had, I think a couple of them were, especially that, that Michigan State game, 
I think at the time we thought, oh, Michigan State must just be really good. Um, but Michigan State, I, it, in part, that's been injuries, and, and in part, it's just been bad luck. That 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 loss hasn't aged as well as it should have, and that was really a game that Kentucky could have and should have won. And I think in terms of late in the season, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that Kentucky will be one of the teams in, and I find it hard to believe that that some of these teams will, will maintain the ranking that they have, um, specifically Arkansas. Um, but I think in, in terms of long-term seeding output, I think Kentucky will really suffer from that loss um, against Michigan State. That was, that, was a, that was an opportunity that they had right in front of them, and I think that might prevent them from – it might be the difference between a four and a five seed. Um, if, if we're trying to protect out, but right now I do have them out. Okay. So yeah. So Kentucky extremely important in conference play for them to deliver. All right. Exactly. So let's get to um, let's talk about something a little bit different. Now I know that Alabama, you have, you said you have them as the number five. So I think that kind of answers my next question. Does the sec have a chance for a one seed right now? Um, so does uh, any of the teams that other than Alabama in your mind have a chance for a one seed? Tennessee's got a really good chance at a one seed. I think in terms of in terms of talents alone, just removing bracketology from all this, I think Tennessee's a little bit overrated in terms of their their offense. It's just so lethargic, and it's it's what we've seen the past couple of seasons. You can't win on defense alone. Uh, you need you need some some more shooting, some more scoring, and I, I I just don't know if they have the 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 offense to really make it make a deep run in the tournament. But I think Tennessee is in a position right now where it could get a one seed. I think really and truly, there's only two teams in the SEC that really don't have a chance at making the tournament. Um, and I think that's, that's South Carolina and Vanderbilt. I think, um, and in terms of, this is like best opportunity. Um, I think, I think 12 teams really and truly could make the, the tournament <laughs> that, that I think most teams would be a six or a seven seed or in that range. Um, but I think 12 teams probably could make the, the tournament. Um, and I think we could truly, we could truly have three and one seeds in the SEC. I think Arkansas, they've got the talent to be a one seed. They just need, they, they, they just need to win the games that they're projected to win. They just haven't had the opportunities to do so. But in terms of reaching um, their ceiling, three teams really have a good chance of doing so. But I think more likely than not, it will either be one or two. And I think Alabama does have the best chance to, to, to be a one seed. Okay, that makes sense. I don't share your same optimism, though, on the uh, 12 teams in the SEC. I'm sure there <laughs> is somebody happen. out there who is like, heck, yeah, baf- basketball conference, baby. Um, but, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, that that makes sense is like basically everybody but Vandy in South Carolina uh, is alive right now. Okay, let's ask this one before I hand it over to Maddie here for a second. What team is right now the hardest one to seed um, you know, from the conference? I think it's probably LSU just because they haven't played anybody. I, I like these teams more like Tennessee that, who, who have played the more difficult schedule. It makes it a lot easier to see them because we can see they've, they've got a good collection of losses and wins and we can, we can, we can reflect off of that. But when it comes to teams who have played a really limited schedule and haven't played a, too talented of a schedule and, and their best win is, is like a Q2 win, um, but they haven't taken any bad losses. That's just really difficult to, um, look towards in the future and it makes them really volatile it's like Missouri's the seven seed right now but I could see them being out if they lose to Kentucky just because they haven't played anybody outside of Kansas and Illinois um, it, it the, the teams who play really 
limited schedules and cupcake um, non-conference schedules, it makes them really difficult to 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 have an outlook about. And LSU right now, they're they're the most difficult team to 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 see because of because of their limited schedule. Fair enough. All right, Maddie, what questions do you have? So I think, uh, you know, the biggest thing for me uh, coming into this, not super big on bracketology, just kind of watch, um, you know, my team every year and then going at the end and hope that they win it all or pick all the teams that I've heard the most on SportsCenter. Um, so kind of going in um, as a bracketologist, do you ever create a bracket kind of earlier on in the season and then look closer to March and see it like change completely? Or is it usually pretty on target with your kind of beginning? Um, I guess not predictions. It's the word I'm looking for there. Uh, it's, it is incredibly volatile. There's some teams that I'll probably have ranked Oregon. I, I thought Oregon would, would make the final four last year and they didn't even end up making the tournament. Um, it, I, I have, I have projections from the beginning of the season and they never work out um, because it's just so volatile throughout the season and there's expectations that are never met. And it's, it's, it's crazy. There's 363 teams in the country and only about a six of them make the tournament. So it's, it's, it's nearly impossible to be even partially correct um, that early in the season. So there is a ton of movement. I thought Kentucky would, would be on, a similar line that Alabama's on right now. And I thought there's no way that Alabama would be, would be on the, the two line at this point in time in the season. So it, it does move a lot or around a lot, but what you have to do is you have to admit that you're wrong and you have to be results based um, and trust yourself and trust your, your, your computer and tr- trust your algorithm um, to, to point you in the right direction. So I guess my, other question, um, kind of putting you on the spot here, so I apologize for that. But uh, who is your dark horse, your St. Peter's of the year um, at this point in the season? Out of the SEC or just in just general? Just any, anywhere. I'm trying to trying to make some money in Vegas. I'll take your take your picks. Um, I think this. It's a little bit easy to say Oral Roberts, but but they've looked really good in conference play. Um, and I think outside of that, I think that um, hmm, should have thought a bit more. I, I give me give me a second. Let me look at my numbers really quick. Sure. Um, I think St. Mary's just based on computer numbers alone. They're I think at um, Bart Torvik and Hassel Metrics. They're like top fifteen in both of those computers. Top fifteen, top twenty, and they've got four losses at this point in time. So St. Mary's out of the WCC. The fact that they've taken these losses, but they're still maintaining a really high ranking um, um, at- uh, in those computers. I think that's really impressive. And I really like Drake. I really like um, um, I really like Tucker Debris. I think he's 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 he'll probably clo- shoot close to three three hundred threes this season, and I, I like the the potential for for someone like him to really take off. San Francisco has looked really good lately. Uh, they they've gotten these high level wins. They they beat um they beat UNLV um pretty recently, and they they've they've gotten higher level wins that that would would mean that the WCC could have two teams both in St. Mary's and San Francisco that that I could see um make the second weekend. But I don't. I I I I think you should fade me. I'm never right with this. I stopped betting years ago. 
Fair enough. Fair enough on that one, man. Um, I, I probably need to stop myself. I got on a cold streak so bad. Ben, Benjamin, before I let you do your plug here, man, um, I try to ask everyone a joke question uh, in every interview that I do. So um, this is my attempt at a joke question for this one. Um, how bad is Joe Lenardi? I don't understand. Is, there, is that rhetorical? I mean, you can answer that however you want. <laughs> He's, I mean, in any rankings, in, in the... Are you familiar with the um, bracketology matrix? I, I am familiar with the bracketology matrix. Yeah, every year he's he's at the bottom, yet he maintains he's he's, he's holding somebody captive. He's holding somebody kid somebody's kid captive. The <laughs> fact that he maintains that spot on ESPN, and the fact that that he gets interviews in in every single important game um, in March and in February, he's he's he's. I don't know. I don't know who he knows, but he's not very good at his job. And he seems to be a nice enough person. Just his results just don't line up to the attention that he receives. I, 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 I'm sure he's, he's, he's a good guy. I just, he's the results that he puts out there. I'm, I'm just not all too impressed. I mean, I can understand that. <laughs> all right, man. Where can the people find you at? Um, I think the easiest way to find me and my sub stack is on my Twitter. I'm at B E E B E E and underscore G E E. So Ben as in Ben past tense underscore G E E Ben G on Twitter. You can find my sub stack and that's, that's the easiest way um, to see the output of my work. Yeah. I mean, it's an easy one to remember Benji, like, you know, just short for Benjamin. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much for coming onto the show today. I really appreciate it. We also retweet Benjamin a lot. If you uh, if you can't seem to find him or something like that, um, he's definitely one of the bracketologists I follow throughout the season. So, man, thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me on. Have a happy New Year, both of you. Absolutely. Thank you, man. You too. Thanks, Ben. You too. Take care. All right. I want to thank Benjamin again coming on, talking a little bracketology with us, and we'll have more bracketologists on the show. Uh, get some different perspectives on where your team sits as we get closer and closer and closer to March Madness getting here. Bubble yeah, team. Maybe help some of our uh, followers with their bets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At for the sure. end of the year. You got to gotta, get everything understood. Like, you know, who's going to make this tournament or not? Bubble team bets. I know there's a couple of uh, a couple of casinos that do that. Got to gotta figure that out. All right. Let's talk about some of the biggest games this week. Um, we got Florida headed down to Auburn, play a little basketball. They're going to be in ne ne Neville or Neville? Ne Neville. Neville. Neville? Neville? I feel like it's Neville. Neville? I don't know. I don't I guess like. we'll find out when we watch it. I know it's a high school gym. Like, <laughs> I, I know people who have played in bigger stadiums than that in high school basketball. I'm just saying. That is a tiny, tiny gym they got there in Auburn. Uh, but, yeah, though, the Gators Gators taking on the Tigers. Uh, Auburn is coming off their win against Washington and Seattle. Uh, Johnny Broom had a sensational game, 18 points, 8 rebounds. Tigers cruise to that one. Um, 84-61. Meanwhile, the Gators coming off a loss to Oklahoma in the Jumpman Invitational. Gators took a big fall in the net after that game. Uh, this is a big chance for the Gators to get that get a win that that'll hopefully put put them back on the path to get a chance at the NCAA tournament. Maddie, what's your initial thoughts on this game? You know, looking at this one, Auburn's predicted to win. Um, but you know, if you take a look at our power rankings that we release, you know, if it's not every week, every other week. Um, so, and. You know. Yeah, there is not much that separates these teams, um, you know, in my mind. I think it will be a close game. I do think Auburn will come out with a win, um, having the home court advantage um, and with it being the start of SEC play. 
Um, I think Florida might, it might, it might light a little fire under them. Um, but you know, like you said, Auburn's stadium arena, whatever you want to call it, super small. So I think very loud, very loud, but super small. Yeah. I think that home court advantage is going to give them a little bit more of the edge that they need, um, to, to beat Florida in this one. Yeah, absolutely. Two players watching this game, uh, in my mind, uh, one of the matchups is between Johnny Broom and Colin Castleton. Um, That matchup will determine a lot for this game down low. Uh, Both are outstanding rebounders. Broom is a great shot blocker, too, uh, and Castleton can score. So that's going to be that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Auburn has a higher rebound differential than Florida, uh, but the Gators have played tougher opponents this year than the Mm -hmm. than the Tigers have. The X factor, though where I think the Gators are going to have the most trouble will be the backcourt. Um, Wendell Green leads Auburn assists, free throws made per game, uh, high high game points, and points per game. Uh, he can get out there. He can play. Um, the If Florida wants a chance to win, you got to stop Green at home. And that, yeah. that to me, is going to be the biggest factor in this. Uh, now, on the flip side for this, Auburn, I think this game is crucial for them to get themselves off on the right foot to start conference play. Um, Tigers are in a very similar spot to where Arkansas was last year, um, where they've where they've underperformed at times uh, during the non-conference schedule. If Auburn wants to make a run for the top of the conference, they're going to have to put put away or separate themselves from the lower tiers of this conference this season. uh, And that includes beating lesser teams at home. And hopefully a few that we might have ranked a little bit better than them. Yeah, that might be helpful as well, is uh, upsetting some teams along the way. But yeah, uh, really interesting game there in Auburn. Um, that one tips off on Wednesday. Uh, a lot of the games we're going to be talking about today tip off on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, was it three or four of the five? Yeah. Or Wednesday? yeah, I think so. Yeah, tomorrow night. All right, let's talk about Alabama and Mississippi State. Uh, tied headed down to Starkville. Uh, this game is more than just a top 25 matchup. Uh, this is really a game between pace and offense versus... Mm-hmm. Really, really good defense. Um, the SEC's fastest team taking on its lowest. Um, so Mississippi State coming off that loss to Drake in the booming metropolitan area of Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, they are they're getting no favors from their schedule to open conference play. The tide are rolling right now and are looking to make a run for the SEC regular season title this year. Yeah, I think this game is really where we see what Mississippi State's made of. Um, you know, coming into this season, we really didn't know what to expect out of them. And, you know, I think they're higher than any, anybody's really expected, um, even though, like you said, they really haven't played very many top tier teams. Um, but I think this is going to be our first chance to see what they're going to do this season, especially when it comes to SEC play in this game against Alabama. It could turn into an upset, you know, if Alabama plays the way that they played against Gonzaga or UNC. Um, so I think it's really just going to be dependent on how their offense produces. Yeah, offense, I'm not concerned about with the Tide. What I'm concerned about with the yeah. Tide is turnovers and defense. Like, you can't allow a team to get in there and be highly proficient every possession like they did against Gonzaga. And you can't turn the ball over 20-plus times. Uh, I know Nate Oates has made a point that he says, like, I want to see less turnovers in this game. Yeah, we all want to see less turnovers. Um, Doing it is a different thing. Um, So, like, that's my concern with the Tide is how bad bad is the turnover situation going to be? Because Mississippi State has a defense that is capable of taking advantage of you. That's what they're good at. And then they limit the possessions per game to where your offense is not going to put up 90 points. 
Um, so they're, you're more than likely going to put up, depending on how proficient you are, 70 to 80. Like that's that's where I think the tide's chances are is that the closer they get this game to 80 points, the better for them. Um, Mississippi State is a team that wants to keep this game as low scoring as possible and to make every possession count. And that's why Mississippi State's offensive perf- offensive rating is so good is because they take advantage and they shoot extremely well and they make every possession count. That's part of my thought process. So this this game's not going to be a cakewalk for the tide. The Bulldogs are more than capable of putting up a fight. Yeah. And so like additionally in this, like my other thought is all season long for the tide, it's been the freshmen and the younger guys doing taking taking over games. Noah Clowney, Brendan Miller. Those are the guys that like the tide kind of depend on. Now, this is going to be like the biggest game that they've seen in Starkville for a long time. And so they're going to be playing in an environment that they're not necessarily used to. Um, so we really do need to see Noah Gurley and company uh, try to step up in this game and take over the show for um, the Tide. So I, I'm going to say it now. Alabama is going to have to buckle down on defense to win this game. And that that's kind of like my big thought. And we're going to head to see some veteran leadership out of the Tide. Yeah, you know, that's why I kind of mentioned Gonzaga and US, UNC. Um, you had those moments where they were pretty reliant on their freshmen to score. And I think, yeah, I think Mississippi state's defense is going to, you know, key into that and lock down um, some of those freshmen. So I think, you know, if you do have some more of those like senior, more senior players stepping up and scoring more points, that's where the win's going to come from Alabama. um, If they get it and it doesn't turn into an upset. All right. Also on Wednesday night, Arkansas and LSU. Hogs are taking a trip down to Baton Rouge to uh, take on Matt Matt Mahan and his LSU Tigers. Bayou Bengals are just sitting outside of the NCAA tournament right now. Um, Depending on who you listen to, that was Joe Lenardi's opinion, not Benjamin's. Um, And this is a big opportunity for LSU to get a big win at home. Uh, Arkansas has had some health issues, as we mentioned in this show. Trevin Brazil out for the season. Nick Smith Jr., in and out, out indefinitely right now. That said, this Razorback team is extremely deep and incapable or is capable of getting through injuries. Yeah, I think on this one, the keys to the game for Arkansas, at least, is to shut down KJ Williams. He's all over the place on offense, all over the place on defense. Um, he's gonna get boards and he's gonna score points. Um, but you know, on the flip side of that, LSU needs to figure out how to operate offensively without him. Because Arkansas's defense is going to find a way to shut him down. Yeah, Eric Musselman's really good at taking star players out of games. That's that's one of the biggest things. And he, he minimizes their impact. If he can't shut your star down, he's going to shut down everybody else. Um, yeah. That's I mean, we saw that in the Kentucky game last year and Bud Walton is that he couldn't shut down Oscar Sheikway, so he shut down everybody else in Kentucky. That was that was the approach. Um, if, if you can't, if he can't shut KJ Williams down, he's just going to take away the rest of the toys that Matt that uh, Matt has out there uh, for uh, for the Tigers. Now, as you mentioned, KJ Williams, nineteen point three points per game and eight point three rebounds per game. That's yeah, over twenty five percent of their offensive production comes from this one man. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a machine. He is a machine. Um, you you've got to do something about that. Uh, and then the, also you got Adam Miller out there, who's also a great scorer, thirteen point five points per game, outstanding player. Uh, Arkansas's leading scorer is Ricky Council, C four, eighteen point three points per game, and Anthony Black is also a great scorer, twelve point six points per game, and he distributes the ball pretty dang well, three point seven assists per game. So there's a lot of things I like for the Hogs here. Um, part of what I'm kind of thinking 
is going to matter in this game is not so much outside shooting or anything like that. Obviously, with Nick Smith being out, that limits what you can do on the outside. And you probably want to supplement some of that with Jordan Walsh, uh, Anthony Black, and Joseph Pinion as you can get him in. I think Joseph Pinion stepped up pretty well in the uh, UNC Asheville game earlier this week. Um, He's showing what he's capable of doing. But who I think this game that they definitely need to step up is Jalen Graham. Um, and they need to win boards in this game. They've got to win the rebounding game and get as many offensive rebounds as possible. Yeah, I think looking at Jalen Graham, um, Makai Mitchell, and Jordan Walsh a little bit too. Um, I think if they can get in there and just power the boards, uh, you know, that increases Arkansas's opportunity to win here by a significant amount. Yeah, we've heard Eric Musselman talk about it before. Offensive rebounds are just as good as turnovers when you uh, think about it because you get an extra chance uh, at putting points up. And that's going to be helpful on the road. And you know, folks in Baton Rouge are going to be hyped up for this one, having a good record coming out of non-conference. And here comes the top 10 team into their building. It's a good time to get folks out there and get ready for a basketball game. All right, let's talk about our game of the week. Kentucky headed to Como to take on Mizzou. Oh, boy. This game got super interesting over last week when uh, Mizzou beat the pants off Illinois. Yeah. If we would have looked at this game last week, you know, I would have laughed at anybody saying that there was any chance Mizzou would even compete in this game. But, you know, like you said, after their win to Illinois, um, that definitely changed things for me. While I do think Kentucky probably comes out with a win here, I'm going to say it's a closer game than anyone expected it to be at the beginning of the season or even within the last week. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting game. Uh, there's a common thread between Mizzou's games against Illinois and UCF that I mentioned earlier. Both mm-hmm. times the, T- the Tigers shot incredibly well for three. Uh, Kentucky has a pretty mid-tier three-point defense. Uh, Cats allowed nearly seven three-pointers a game. Um, so this game is going to be won and lost in two areas, I think. First, Kentucky is going to have to deny Mizzou's ball movement. The, they pass extremely well. They find the highest percentage shot that they can on the floor, and they work around the perimeter to find it. Uh, that means they're going to have to jump through passing lanes, and they're going to have to put pressure higher than they might want to in this game. So that's going to be one of the tasks that Kentucky is going to have to do on the defensive side of the ball. The other side of this is the down low game. Oscar Shibwe hasn't necessarily been himself so far this season, um, but this is a mismatch in this game. Mizzou doesn't give their bigs the minutes that you'd expect Dennis Gates to have. Um, and th- so it's just not going to match up comfortably there. Um, so if Kentucky can get Shibway involved and Oscar can do his work, I think Kentucky could do damage on the glass in this game and they get a lot of points in the paint. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, and it might be one of those situations, just looking over Mizzou's non-conference schedule, that they really haven't needed um, those minutes from those bigs. But I think that did, you know, take away some experience, um, especially with a a younger Mizzou team. Um, So I I agree there. I think if Oscar Shibwe shows his uh, National Player of the Year self, Mizzou's going to have to defend that really, really well. And I'm not sure if they can. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, The biggest downside for Kentucky is their offense. Uh, The Cats Mm -hmm. haven't looked good on offense this year. If they can't get their issues addressed before this game against Mizzou and they don't and Mizzou comes out hot, I mean, look out, things could get a little bit bumpy for Cal and company in this game, especially with it being a road environment and Mizzou has a little bit of faith in themselves after that Illinois game. Uh, sometimes it just takes one win to make yourself, you know, start believing that you can win basketball games. Um, but Mizzou has a tough schedule coming up and we'll get into more of that in a little bit. All right. So, yes, believe it or not, this next game we're talking about 
was was our game of the week because it was supposed to be the last non-conference game that we were supposed to have featured um, for this year. Obviously, Kentucky and Mizzou got more interesting, but this game was our game of the week um, because rivalries matter. Kentucky versus Illinois, or not Illinois, Louisville. Kentucky versus Louisville. Kentucky versus Illinois would be a game I'd actually want to watch. Uh, right. Kentucky versus Louisville, though, is something um, that we're about to talk about. Um, <laughs> I mean, if we're going to be honest, I think the only people that are going to watch this game live in Kentucky. I think so, too. I mean, like, this is not, this is on December 31st. That's when, you know, bowl game season kicks off and, you know, there's better bowl games than Kentucky and Louisville this year. Like, it's... I mean, it's New Year's Eve. There's a lot better things to do than watch Kentucky and Louisville. <laughs> no, really. I absolutely think Kentucky is going to beat the pants off Louisville in this game. Now, this game is going to matter to quite a lot of people, um, but it's going to matter quite a bit to Louisville. Uh, it's Kenny's Payne. It's Kenny Payne versus his old school. It's it's Louisville having something to play for. Uh, there, there's a lot to there's a lot of that in this game. But I, I think when you compare the stats records and everything else logic just screams kentucky is going to run away with this one they should be heavily favored i mean you know if mizzou gives kentucky a good game and kentucky comes off exhausted we might see an interesting game but i think that's probably gonna be louisville's only saving graces if they come out beat from that mizzou game yeah no they're gonna have to do something I, i i don't i don't particularly um, no, I don't have any faith in Louisville. I'm just gonna say it. I don't have any faith. Um, we we've seen what good teams can do to Louisville. We saw it in Maui, where Arkansas put a dunk highlight reel on Louisville. Um, now Louisville's won a couple of games since then. Are they against great opponents? No, not really. Um, is are they losing to Bellarmine still? No, they're not doing that. See, they don't <laughs> seem to be doing that right now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't like Louisville and I, I don't particularly think there's anything to get optimistic about if you're uh, if you're Louisville. But, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, this Kentucky team is not the Kentucky team we thought that they were going to be at the beginning of the season. But right. I'm still taking if you put them up against a two and 11 team, I'm taking Kentucky all day, all day long. Um, yeah, Thanks, son. All day. Yeah, it, it might be it might be another bad day for Louisville fans. They lost to Kentucky in football this year. I think they're about to lose to Kentucky in basketball as well. Um maybe they can win like tennis or something. Maybe. Track track's coming up. Um there we go. Yeah, I don't know if baseball's, you know, that they face each other in baseball this year. Kentucky's not, you know, like the best SEC baseball team, you know. True. See how I mean, goes. usually we say that about football though, too, and they still win. They've gotten so much better at football. Like it's crazy how much better. They're more hyped in they're more hyped in Lexington for football right now than basketball. Now, true, true. once Kentucky starts playing better, I think fans in Lexington are going to be like, "Yeah, we're back on the basketball train." You know, <laughs> like once they start playing better. Um, but like right now, it's it it doesn't you know there's not a lot for them to get excited about. But like you know maybe you know Kentucky fans are going to win this game. You know, so yeah. like yeah. If, if I think if they thing. come off of this Mizzou game with a win, they get hyped up for this Louisville game and come off of it with a win. I I think the fans in Lexington will be feeling a lot better about the season than they are right now. Agreed. Definitely agreed. 
All right. Well, this is going to be our wrap up. We didn't really plan a wrap up this week, you know, like what we normally do. You, is there a team you want to complain about right now? I mean, I want to complain about Texas, but like I'm still kind of feeling bad for them. <laughs> um, you know, they're playing um, Texas A&M Commerce today, which you know, to be completely honest, I didn't even know Texas A&M Commerce was a um, was a D1 school until this year now, because like, I didn't know they were either. I thought they were yeah. D2. Yeah, they were D2 for a long time. They had a really good D2 football team. Um, yeah, I used to drive past that campus or through that campus on my way home to Dallas when I was living in Dallas or my mother-in-law's house, mm. um, you know, because it's right there on the way there and you got to drive through commerce to get to get back to on the interstate. Um, that's a long drive to the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma to get to get to Dallas, Texas, man. I'm telling you. Um, yeah, they got a nice campus. They got a nice logo. Um, I mean, after watching Last Chance You the the basketball version this week like i'm ready to start going to watch some like juco's and see if i can help muss out with some recruiting like i don't think muss is jumping on the juco train <laughs> uh necessarily the second um probably not but you know yep um <laughs> uh, yeah no it's uh it's it's definitely yeah i don't think he's he's jumping on the, on the uh, juco i actually just you know i looked at my phone this is why i got distracted um I just got a text message from like my old fraternity advisor um, from from undergrad. Like that was that was like, huh, it's weird. He hasn't contacted me in a long time. I'm going to read what this text message says here in a little bit. Um, but they yeah, need, they need funds. Yeah, they, they need funds. It's like I know they're working on uh, I know they're working on building a house right now. So we'll, we'll see. They need funds. Then, yeah. They need funds. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably what it's about. <laughs> All that's right. the only reason i get any con- contact from from dg mine and avery's sorority days yeah right. like hey how are you i'm like i know what you want don't come to me <laughs> i'm poor i just got out of college not too long ago i don't right. have that money kind of money yet to to be building a new house you know what i at least at ufis they didn't you know ufis they're not building houses over there you yeah, know we didn't have to worry about that have you seen the house at the u of a the DG yes, house of the U Oh, it's huge. It's gorgeous. They got a massive anchor in the front yard, you know, like it's a yeah. nice place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not paying right. that money though. <laughs> yep, for sure. All right, we're gonna cue the music here. This is a <laughs> reminder for everyone that this is one episode of the two episodes that we're releasing this week. We got our conference preview episode that you can also check out. So there's plenty of content for this week for you to go check out. Please go check it out. It's not just going to be our contest winners, but we are going to deep dive for them. And that's going to be Kentucky, Arkansas, and Mizzou. Um, We're going to be doing our deep dive onto them and then also doing a more general look at the SEC as it's going to play out through the course of this season. Cheers, predictions. Me and David might get into it a little bit. I don't know. It might be fun. We'll see. She might start yelling at me the fact that I made her do two episodes this week without consenting to uh, consenting to my contest win idea. Oh, I just meant like with our predictions. We might start oh, I thought you were going to hit me for making you stick around for two episodes this week. You know me. I can talk about basketball. Like, okay. <laughs> All right. Good deal. All right. Yeah. Go check the episode out.